Your On The Mark podcast is loading now. The On The Mark podcast is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company, family-owned dealership since 1915, 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia on Routes 11 and 15 Hummel's Wharf. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On The Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1-800-795-9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here's your host for On The Mark, Mark Lawrence. Greetings. Welcome on board WKOK's live telephone talk show, On The Mark. I'm Mark Lawrence. Our show sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. Our producer is Mr. Rob Center. On the other side of the glass, we've got a great panel on board for our Financial Friday discussion. We're going to get a glimpse of some reaction to the latest jobless numbers. <laughs> you should have seen everybody's face in here when they said 500,000 jobs. Nobody was expecting that, so we'll talk about that. Even I read one eyebrow. That can't be right. Okay, anyway, so we'll talk about that in a moment. But Bob Garrett is here, President and CEO of the Greater Susquehanna Valley Chamber of Commerce. I think he conceived a Financial Friday some time ago and uh, said, well, why don't we do it on the day that the employment picture gets painted for us. So, Bob, welcome aboard. Thanks for coming in. Boy, I really set ourselves up, didn't I, uh, uh, Mark? (laughs) We have a good 30 seconds to sound like we know what we're talking about. We always do our research, and it's always wrong. (laughs) Well, uh, I, I know how the weatherman feels now. Maybe yeah. you just keep your overnight opinions to yourself and just let it go at that. All right. right. Yeah. He, he and everyone else predicting slightly uh, lower jobless numbers or uh, employment numbers coming out. Art Thomas is here, chairman of the Greater Susquehanna Valley Chamber of Commerce, president of MechTech and Diversified in, uh, Construction Incorporated. Busy company. You hear them. They're doing surveys and looking for a one beautiful, perfect staff member. Well, beautiful being in terms for how well they fit into the business, not necessarily a, a beautiful woman. Oh, never mind. Anyway, that's uh, who is here also. Good morning, Art. We're trying to get you in trouble here. Well, we good morning, and thank you for the ad. I'll take it any time. Yeah, you don't you don't need my help around doing that. Yep, and thank you for uh, uh, being one of the great radio advertisers around here. And my good friend, John Shipman, is with us. He's been a Sunbury business person and a very tireless public servant and uh, understands investments in Wall Street and... And uh, his one eyebrow went the highest when he heard the 500,000 number. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Mark. Good it, to be here. Is it, can, can, it's is impressive. It, I, I, uh, it's way off the chart as far as I'm concerned. I was thinking somewhere around 275, maybe three and a quarter, but 500,000 is just like a, I don't know, I have to digest the, 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 the numbers behind the number. Well, can it be wrong? Does this have to be a right number? Well, they, they always adjust uh, the next month. Sometimes they adjust up, sometimes they adjust down. As folks are that listen uh, month after month to Financial Friday know that uh, the state unemployment figures always follow the federal by a, a month. And, and just let that digest a little bit think about that well how do the how do they have the national number before we have the state number well you know they use algorithms etc so there's always some adjusting but no I, I think you go with the numbers you have uh, mark you know we, you can spend uh, all day arguing about how data is collected 
you know, it's a fool's game. Uh, it is data for the sake of data. The uh, What we know is that we have a very complex economic picture out there. You know, last Friday I was on the road uh, heading to a family wedding in, uh, in Pittsburgh, and I sort of was uh, uh, being entertained by all the different analysts and uh, the analysis that was going on because it was announced that we had our second quarter, uh, second consecutive quarter of negative growth, which is the the te- technical definition of a recession. But everybody was saying, well, this can't be a recession. Our, our employment picture is so strong. How could this be a recession? Well, it just got murkier, didn't it, John, with, uh, right. with this economic <clears throat> report is, you know, uh, technically we know we are in a recessionary time, but we know that the workforce, uh, the labor force, is as strong as ever. Now, we'll probably hear at uh, the 9 o'clock news hour or at the break, uh, but I think 3.5% not only matches the pre-pandemic number, it matches the lowest un- national unemployment rate ever recorded. So uh, so how can we be at record unemployment rates and in a recession at the same time? Well. Listen in. We'll uh, we'll try to figure that out. Well, and I think you're 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 correct when you say that there's a lot of different economic data. That, uh, for instance, uh, in April, uh, the United States consumed uh, 14 million barrels of oil. In May, that dropped to nine. In June, it dropped to eight million. So, people aren't driving. Uh, why not? Well, uh, maybe they can't afford. Maybe I, I read an interesting article that that uh, the uh, motorized bikes are selling like hotcakes. So mm-hmm. uh, maybe people are switching. Um, Walmart uh, had 12 million customers through their 10,500 stores in April. They had nine million in May, and they had 8 million in June. So uh, people aren't shopping as much. So you can quote all kinds of statistics. The truth is, we'll know three or four months or or five months from now whether we're really in a recession or not. But I think it's premature. I agree with Bob. I think we're a little premature to start picking this number or that number and saying, oh, yeah, it's really good, or oh, no, it's really bad. I think that's pretty premature. Uh, We'll find out shortly. Art, your view on this uh, spectacular job growth, at least nationally? I wouldn't say locally. I've detected significant changes in the trends around here. What's your view? Well, I've just been enjoying these other two guys. Now i got to pull my thoughts together quick. <laughs> um, adjustments happen every month, but obviously order of magnitude is not going to change. You know, this might go down to 490 or even up to 550, but it's still, we're at five, 530,000 uh, new jobs, and who expected that? Uh, complex is the word. Uh, people are talking recession. Uh, if you if you're red boy, you want it to be a recession because we've had two quarters. But I can tell you from our two businesses, MechTech and Diversify Construction, our phone is just ringing off the hook. I think we're still realizing what trillions of dollars mean when they're injected into the economy. People still have money. People are still calling for services. People are still buying goods. But I think if this means anything, this 528, it means that some people are finally starting to come up short with their money and they're ready to go back to work. 
All right, well, we have uh, seen some mixed signs in the economy. The traditional, the historic reference to the recession was two consecutive quarters of growth, and our whole economy is based on growth. So uh, you certainly could stand by that, but other folks say, no, it is more complex. Of course, having uh, the uh, gas prices go down, inflation still going up as near as I detect. Does that seem about right? Uh, okay. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Okay, so inflation still going up, and uh, uh, so there's uh, all kinds of mixed news on the definition. That's why I put recession in our show notes when we started, but then crossed it out. So <laughs> I'm not going to start a fight on the show. Well, that is one aspect of our economy that is, uh, we always talk about the jobless numbers that come out on Financial Friday, but uh, we're also very glad that Bob always arranges us for talk to somebody who's highly informed on some aspect of our economy or the state's economy or whether it's a broadband or some of the other issues that we've addressed lately. We have talked about supply train and transportation as being big factors in our economy. And uh, so Bob thought it would be perfectly uh, wise for us uh, to uh, bring into our discussion today Rebecca Euler. She is president and CEO of the Pennsylvania Motor Truck Association. Rebecca, I did the one thing I always forget to do, and that's get somebody's per- correct pronunciation of their last name before I introduce them. What is your full name, please? <laughs> you did it perfectly. Rebecca Euler. Euler. Okay, fantastic. All yep. right, thank you for that. Uh, and you're President CEO Pennsylvania Motor Truck Association. If folks haven't been monitoring it, uh, transportation is one of the big factors in uh, in the job shortage around here. Not enough uh, truckers, and maybe some logistical issues have popped up as well. The logistics companies don't have enough help. So if you got it, a truck brought it, but it might take longer these days. Might be the new bumper sticker that you'd see uh, these days, Rebecca. First of all, thank you so much for joining us. Very much appreciated. Uh, give us an, Happy to be here. Uh, give us an overview of the Pennsylvania Motor Truck Association, and then we'll dig into some of these uh, topics. Sure. Well, um, the Pennsylvania Motor Truck Association, PMTA, we are uh, just simply uh, the organization that promotes the professional and economic growth of the trucking industry in the state and also the businesses that support them. Uh, So that's where we are. We do that through advocating for policies that support the industry. We promote safety out on the roads, and we help our members get the services they need to succeed. So that's uh, pretty much what we do. We have about 1,200 members in Pennsylvania. Trucking is a huge industry in our state. As you can imagine, we have a lot of manufacturing and a lot of, um, you know, to say we're the food, the the snack capital of the world here in Pennsylvania. We have a lot of food manufacturing. Um, All of those uh, manufacturers and businesses need trucking to operate. Um, It's like you said, if it uh, arrived um, at your house, it was on a truck at one point and probably multiple trucks throughout the supply chain. All right. Tell us about uh, the issue. We talk about not having enough drivers. Uh, that may be just one part of uh, modern-day issues facing the trucking industry. So tell us about the issues that you're looking at now. Yeah, well, you hit the nail on the head. Our number one issue by far is the driver shortage. And I know every area um, of uh, industry is experiencing a worker shortage right now. But the driver shortage for uh, 
for trucking actually impacts other industries too because as you can imagine if you can't get a driver to bring raw materials to your factory or uh, products to your store uh, that sort of uh, pyramids throughout supply chains and uh, it creates and exacerbates the existing supply chain issues that um, you know uh, we already we know we have so there's about an 80,000 uh, driver shortage across the country right now and we think it's going to be about a, uh, close to a million over the next decade. So it's really critical that we uh, try to promote uh, jobs and the great careers in trucking right now. Um, it's an industry that has um, it, significantly, um, you know, an older population. So one of the things that we're trying to do is promote um, the industry with um, younger individuals, with high schoolers. It's not an industry that you need a college education to succeed in. So it's it's a great opportunity for a lot of young people that does doesn't require a huge um, you know taking out student loans and investments and that sort of thing. So um, something we definitely need to focus on promoting. And do you get a sense from the businesses and the recipients of the product that are being shipped how much of an impact this is having? Can you give us give us some sort of a sense on uh, how this is impacting Pennsylvania's economy? Sure. Uh, well, I can tell you that um, 96% of manufactured tonnage in Pennsylvania is transported by truck. So uh, you can imagine when there are, um, you know, drivers that you, that are missing, trucks that aren't driving, that uh, is absolutely going to impact our uh, manufacturers and, like I said, our, our stores. And we are seeing um, from time to time some shortages on shelves. And I know um, from our manufacturer's standpoint, just-in-time delivery is something that um, – you know, some manufacturers are taking a look at um, not being, you know, the the uh, viable way to run anymore because we can't always count on just-in-time delivery just because of the nature of how our supply chains are working or not working in some cases anymore. So there's been some reassessment of how we supply our our businesses, um, and that's something we're going to have to work through um, over time. But um, like I said, trucking is an integral part of, of sort of every piece of of our economy. So it's something that um, we definitely have to focus on and make sure that we're thinking of for the future. Good morning, Rebecca. This is Bob Garrett, the President and CEO of the Greater Susquehanna Valley Chamber of Commerce, and it's good to speak with morning, you Bob. again. Good morning. Hey, um, I guess what I wanted to ask you about, and, and thank you for bringing up the uh, issue of just in time. You know, it only works if there's uh, if there's horsepower uh, there to uh, make that uh, delivery. But I guess what I wanted to ask you is, uh, how can we work together? Uh, I thought that was very interesting what you said about careers in trucking, projecting over the next day decade a million uh, positions being opening up in uh, trucking. Uh, the Chamber has several trucking firms uh, as members that we stay in touch with, Watsontown and Milton uh, Trucking, as well as our manufactured housing, and of course Wise Markets uh, headquartered here as well, all of whom have uh, have their own trucking firms uh, inside of their companies. Uh, we have uh, advocated uh, to our local vocational schools and two-year schools in the uh, area to put uh, some sort of commercial driver uh, training program in place. And we've had 
so-so uh, success with that. Um, I'm happy to say that uh, this morning when I was driving up 11 and 15, I saw the trucking school down in Juniata County, just uh, just north of Liverpool. There was a student in there uh, driving a truck and doing all those sort of things. But the programs we had at our son tech school, et cetera, weren't able to get enough students. How can we work together uh. to recruit more people into those kind of programs and into the trucking industry? Any any suggestions? That's a great question and uh, something that we're really focused on um, here moving forward because you're right. Um, I think in part it's it's sort of a cultural thing. I mean, I think we've gotten to the point where, um, you know, a lot of kids get up through school and, you know, I'm, I have a son who just graduated from high school and a lot of kids don't realize that there are really great careers out there that don't require a college education. Um, and it's not just trucking. It's a lot of uh, trades that, that students have the opportunity to go into that don't necessarily require a college degree. So I think we have to work together to promote those trades, um, including truck driving and diesel uh, diesel techs. We're also really hurting for diesel techs here in Pennsylvania, especially because, as I said, we're a big trucking uh, state, so uh, we need you know folks that are able to work on those trucks, too. Um, so we need to work together to promote trades to young people, and that means partnering with high schools and tech schools to really showcase the careers that are available in these industries. I mean, PMTA works with um, with tech schools at the local level and also with high schools. Uh, we do. Uh, we have a road team of professional drivers who goes out and who go out and visit with uh, high schools and talk about safety around trucks with our students. But then they also use that opportunity to talk with high schoolers about the careers available in the trucking industry. We also have a youth driving championship uh, that we are uh, that we do in in high schools um, where we give cash prizes for high school students who are safe drivers of cars. Again, we use that opportunity to you know talk about careers in trucking. We also are working with some high schools. There's one uh, high school in York County that we've been able to work with that actually has a CDL program in the high school. Uh, they were recently able to get some sponsors to purchase. Um, they already have a CDL um, um, program, and they were uh, recently able to uh, purchase a forklift simulator in addition to their, their truck simulator, and that was through the work of several local sponsors. So um, there are things that businesses can do to, you know, help promote these uh, programs and promote the trades in high schools, um, especially at the local area. So we are trying to sort of put some of these programs together and make sure students are aware of uh, the opportunities there. Uh Good morning, Rebecca. I, I have a question. I have a number of family members sure. that are uh, are long haul drivers. Um, they're oh, they're driving you. they're driving fifty five and sixty hours a week, uh, and the pay is really good, but the stress is really bad. And I understand that there are a number of drivers that are quitting j because of the long hours and so forth. Uh, uh, can your association address those issues, or is there any way to address those issues? Well, that's a great question, and, and thank you to your to your relatives. It is a really tough job, especially that long haul um, job is a, is a tough one, um, and I think that's caused in part uh, by a couple of issues. And one is the driver shortage. I mean, uh, because we're so short of drivers, it sort of puts a lot of stress on the drivers that we do have. So, to the extent we can address that and get more folks into the industry. Um, you know, that's going to help. But the other thing is there are certain things um, that every day cause a lot of stress on our drivers. And the one thing I'll mention, which is 
probably our number two issue right now, right next to the driver shortage, is truck parking. And I'm sure if you talk to them, they're going to tell you that it is a real pain finding a, a, a space to park and take your required breaks every day because um, truckers are very limited in the hours they can drive. They're required to take you know, speci- certain specified breaks um, during those hours. And if they can't find a place to park, um, it's very stressful. So our average truck driver spends 56 minutes a day looking for a, a legal parking space in which to rest. <laughs> and there are um, 11 drivers for every one parking space in the U.S., so um, it's very stressful on them. I think it's a safety issue because if they can't find a uh, safe place to rest, they're tired out on the road. Um, when you're driving down the highway and you see trucks pulled over on the on-ramps and off-ramps, that's not a legal parking space, um, and it's not safe for them to be there. But um, in some cases, they don't have a choice because they legally must pull over and take a break. So um, that is a result of the fact that we just simply don't have enough parking spaces, safe, legal parking spaces. So we're, um, we're working with, you know, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of issues and a lot of solutions to that, that problem that we're trying to work through. Um, so that's something I would suggest that very sort of um, issues that you wouldn't think about, um, which cause a lot of stress and hassle for drivers, um, but something that we need solutions to, which will help you know, improve the the condition for drivers out there on the road and, and increase our driver retention, too. All right, we're going to expedite. we got one more question from uh, Art Thomas, who's pre- or chair of the chamber. Art? Bob, we're going to have to introduce Rebecca to Jen Hain and the Career Pathways Partnership here in the central Susquehanna Valley. Sounds like an excellent career to push on our kids and promote. Uh, two, I'm going to try and get two out of you, Rebecca. First, you know, once upon a time, there was talk years ago of threats to the industry. You know, uh, you know, trucking uh, took from rail 150 years ago. Um, I would imagine with the current lopsided supply-demand issue and the workforce needs issue, threats aren't something to the industry that people are focused on. But can you see any threats in the future? Given the talk of drone deliveries, and we've got our Autobot robots delivering in the urban areas, rail is picking up particularly in our area, or is uh, are, is things more like synergy like wineries, the more the merrier? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I, I just had this issue come up yesterday because one of the things we're, we're um, talking about in the industry is the, is the advent of autonomous vehicles, um, which... Uh, Pittsburgh here um, in our region here is a big um, a big development area for autonomous vehicles. We have um, Carnegie Mellon and Pitt are both um, big you know development areas, and we have a lot of jobs in the region uh, working on autonomous vehicles in the truck area um, that um, has sort of focused on platooning. So you may have one truck that has um, a, a driver driving um, and another truck following, in, in this case, that has a driver, but that that driver might be sort of on a rest break. Um, so the two trucks are connected um, electronically, but they're, they both have drivers. So that's kind of w- one of the things that we're looking at now um, in, in the case of, um, you know, for, for the for right now, both trucks have drivers. But is the future going to be more autonomous um, trucking, more moving freight uh, autonomously? Um, that might be something that 
you know, over the long term, we're going to have to look at. In the short term, I have to say that I don't see I don't see that as a threat or any any threats um, to the industry or to the drivers because we are so strapped for um, for labor for drivers right now that um, that any you know advent of technology like that is only just going to enhance the the ability of the drivers that we have to operate those trucks and to move goods. So I see technology and um, other, you know, means of uh, of enhancing the movement of goods as just providing a, a an add-on to the current um, the current market that we have for trucking um, and helping us be more efficient and move goods more efficiently. Um, I mean, the fact of the matter is that 88% of Pennsylvania communities depend exclusively on trucks to move their goods, and I don't see that changing anytime soon. So I think um, things like technology are going to only enhance uh, the ability for us to move those goods more efficiently. Um, so that's that's kind of my thought on that. Rebecca, sitting here real quick, uh, where we are in the central Susquehanna Valley, we got to ask you about the CSVT. Uh, as a part of the PMTA and the representing PMTA, I'm sure you've got pen dots here from time to time. What are your members telling you about CSVT so far? Good, bad, ugly? Uh, Central what, what, what's Central your question Susquehanna, exactly? I'm sorry. The bypass up here in Seals Grove, Sunbury. And the new bridge. And the, oh. new, the new river bridge that uh, rerouting the trucks in our area. Yes. You know, I haven't gotten a lot of... Um, uh, feedback on it yet. I mean, it looks, I haven't even gotten up myself to see it yet, but it's really exciting. It looks really, in, really neat. I'm excited well, to get up sign. and see it. <laughs> if they were mad, like they great would. Yeah, if they were mad, you know, mad, you got to get up here you. and drive that bridge, Rebecca. Yeah, yeah you got to get rid of that. All right, well, we're just about out of time. I have one quickie question. Uh, your uh, Some of your remarks in the past have focused on driver facing cameras just really quickly here. So this is a, dr- a camera in the cab of the truck watching the driver yeah um right there is some controversy over that um a lot (laughs) of companies have found that um driver facing cameras have increased the safety of their fleets and of course in other circumstances they've gotten some pushback from drivers who feel like it's sort of big brother watching them um and actually we have um the um there's a study being uh, done right now on the impact of driver-facing cameras. The American Transportation Research Institute, which um, PMTA relies on a lot for um, research in the industry, they are conducting a study on that right this minute. So I will have more information on the impact of driver-facing cameras uh, shortly when they complete that study. Well, the more you think about it, the more facets to it. I mean, a driver would would have their version of what's happening, but the camera doesn't lie, so you'd have to uh, but, of course, the big brother would be watching them all the time. I can see that might be irritating. Rebecca, thank, yeah. thank you so much for the information and uh, the insights and the expertise. Really appreciate it. Uh, thanks for calling our Financial Friday today. Absolutely. Anytime. All Happy right. to talk.
Rebecca Euler is uh, president and CEO of the Pennsylvania Motor Truck Association. We've been talking about some of the real issues that uh, pop up in the transportation and in the business community. Uh, Just-in-time delivery used to work, but now you, you wonder, when do you have to place your orders? All right, well, we are going to take a quick break. Our panel's going to stick with us. We're going to hear more reaction and talk more about the latest jobless numbers that came out, 528,000 new jobs created in July, or some of which are recovered jobs that went away two years ago, and now they are back, but they always call them new jobs. That's uh, sort of the Washington thing. The jobless rate itself went down to 3.5%. The participation rate went down, and that's not good, down to 62.1%. So uh, we got some sort of a push-me-pull you happening in the economy where participation goes down and new jobs goes up. But Bob Garrett's here, president and CEO of the Greater Susquehanna Valley Chamber of Commerce. Our Thomas is chair of the chamber and president of MECTEC. And John Shipman is with us, our fine uh, local businessman, still an active businessman and has been a community servant for the better part of a half a century or so. So we appreciate that. Sorry. <laughs> you hate, sometimes you don't always like to hear the numbers out loud. You are listening to On the Mark. I want to take a quick moment to talk about the Sunbury Motor Company. It's a family-owned dealership since 1915, 4th Street, Sunbury, and Routes 11 and 15. SunburyMotors.com, Ford, Hyundai, and Kia are their brands, and they are very interested in talking to you about a vehicle. Uh, they, too, have supply chain issues and parts issues, and they are also looking for folks. They're looking for folks to work in the quick lane, the car truck service, the car service, heavy truck body shop, frame alignment, towing departments, you name it. They're looking for some technicians to work at the Sunbury Motor Company. Do as I've done. Go to sunburymotors.com and click on the careers page and see what's available to you. They do not need anybody who just yak, yak, yaks all day long. I didn't see that on the description, so I'll be here when we come back at 9 o'clock and on Monday morning as well, probably. Probably, anyway, but you just never know. You're right in the middle of Financial Friday on News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury. WKOK News Time, it is 9 a.m. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1-800-795-9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here's your host for On the Mark, Mark Lawrence. Greetings. Welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show. On the Mark, I'm Mark Lawrence. Sunbury Motor Company is our sponsor, so we appreciate their support all along. they got a wide range of career opportunities for individuals available. Uh, they may have been part of creating some of the 528,000 jobs that were created in July, according to the U.S. Labor Department, which brings us back to Financial Friday with Bob Garrett, president of the Chamber of Commerce here, Greater Susquehanna Valley Chamber of Commerce. And Art Thomas, chairman of the Greater Susquehanna Valley Chamber of Commerce, president of MECTEC and Diversified Construction. And John Shipman is here, business person. He's a good conservative co-host that we bring in from time to time, and he, he's going to help us out in our discussion. Now, any more feedback on the jobless rate, jobless numbers, participation rate going down? Unbelievable numbers. This a half a million jobs created. I, I would like to bring it a little bit closer to home, if we can, uh, Mark, uh, just to let everybody know that here in the Greater 
greater Susquehanna Valley. We continue uh, to be in the leadership position uh, of the state. Uh, Montour County for months and months, so maybe a whole year, was the lowest unemployment rate in the entire state. Um, it's no longer the lowest. Chester County uh, beat them out now two months in a row, and York County right uh, behind Chester County, but they're still in the bottom three, so that's not uh, so bad. In Montour County, the unemployment rate is at 3.2%, in Union County 3.4%, Snyder County at 3.8%, and in Northumberland County, which tends to always be a little bit higher, it's at 4.9%. So all of those counties below 5%, so that's a that's excellent uh, there, and that compares to a statewide unemployment rate. Now, we've been talking about the national un- unemployment rate all morning, uh, coming down to 3.5%. Our state unemployment rate is 4.5%, of which uh, all but Northumberland County and our four-county area are all well below that. All right, so what are the factors locally? Do we see, or not the factors, but what's the impact of this? Do we see businesses closing? Do we see some folks that say, well, I'm sorry, I just can't do it anymore. We know restaurants aren't open all the time like they used to be. Uh, We know some businesses close on certain days. The impact of the labor shortage around here. Well, we know that new normal has set in. Uh, uh, You know, we were trying to talk at the chamber over the pandemic in in the darkest days of the chamber. We wanted to invent better normal, not new normal, but a better normal. We know that new normal has set in. You know, I, I think nobody just assumes you can go out to eat on a Monday anymore, right? That's just the way the, the world uh, is operating these days. As far as closures, uh, you know, there, there's always a, uh, a churn, we call it, in the business community. Uh, there will be uh, continued closures, and the best way to deal with a, a business closure, I believe, is to have a business opening. Uh, and today, this afternoon, we'll be at a, a ribbon-cutting opening a new business in Milton. And uh, so, so hopefully uh, we can stay ahead of the churn and, and create more jobs. We know nationally there's 1.8 jobs for every job seeker nationally. I suspect in the greater Susquehanna Valley uh, that number is probably more like five or six jobs for every uh, job seeker that's out there. And, um, and, and folks need to take a, advantage of those opportunities. The thing is, Mark, is if, a, if a person, if an individual chooses to go on, to some sort of government assistance program. Government assistance means that you will always be poor. The only way to get out, get yourself, improve your situation in, 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 a, in an economy like we have in the United States of America is a job. It's the only anti-poverty, poverty-busting program out there. And, and we will at the chamber continue to work with our members, et cetera, to make the reasonable accommodations, support daycare, do all the things you need to do, have a robust training system, always be in lifelong education so that you can be a success and and experience the best of the American dream. The person to whom you're speaking is probably still sleeping, so they're not going to catch it, but maybe on the podcast. (laughs) Podcast. Podcast later. Jobless reaction, anything to add? No, I think we've pretty well okay. to talk that through. All right, uh, Art, anything to add? We've got a wide range of national issues to talk about on our show as well today. What, what have you been talking about and thinking about? Uh, just a couple points, observations. Uh, I'm like a broken record here every month talking about participation. I think the key right now to our uh, job problems is uh, trifold. It's participation rate. The boomers leaving the uh, job force in mass numbers when the pandemic hit and not having numbers to replace them and of course the moms 
staying home to take care of the kids, leaving the workforce, and struggling to go back with uh, the desire to stay at home and work remote jobs if possible. You know, 20 years ago right now in 2002, the participation rate was hovering around 67%, and here we are today hovering around 62%, and that represents millions of jobs that we're without right now. So I think that's the key uh, to why we don't have enough people for the jobs participation, boomers out of the workforce, maybe they'll come back with inflation if they get scared, and the moms that left. And to think that 20 to 30 years ago, we were worried that automation and robots were going to take over all our jobs. And the other thing I wanted to point out is student loans. We haven't talked about them in a few months. Uh, it's time for them to be uh, exhausted and go back into force or be extended. And who has student loans? Everybody from mid-20s to their mid-40s, they're the ones that are out spending the extra money right now because they have it. You know, whether it's 400, 600, 800, or $1,200 a month, those are the loan payments. If they come back after two and a half years of hiatus, all that discretionary money that people have been spending is gonna go away. So it's gonna be a nasty trigger when it's pulled, when we put all those people, put all those people back into repayment status. And I think when that happens, there's gonna be a little bit of a shock. Have you monitored the school loan debacle in Washington? They just have no idea what's going on. People are contacting them and say, I'd like to pay off my loan. And they say, well, we never heard of you. Yeah, I, I think the system's all screwed up because now it hasn't been used for two and a half years, and when it gets kicked back in, who knows what's going to happen, and there's going to be people that aren't going to want to pay, there's going to be people that aren't going to be able to pay because their habits have changed. Um, okay. It could be a problem. Yeah, to be continued. All right, uh, what's coming up on the Chamber's agenda? We always uh, give you an open mic to invite folks to attend these things. Yeah, we have an exciting event uh, this month. Uh, Mark, it's called Walk with a Dock Paddle Party. Uh, we'll be up at Lake Chillisquaki at the Montour Preserve on pretty much the whole morning and a little bit into the afternoon of August 20th. That's a Saturday, so this is just a, a fun event. Uh, we start with a walk with a dock. It's a program that's sponsored by the Geisinger, and uh, the idea is you just go out for a walk, and there's a dock or a bunch of docks uh, there, and uh, if you want to talk about health care, you can. If you want to talk about marganser geese, you can do that as well. Okay, but you're not the, walking on the docks that go out into the water. No. You're talking to a doctor. Well, yeah, doctor, yeah, yeah, <laughs> okay. medical doctor or uh, doctor of osteopathy or something. Uh, yes, uh, I I don't know if they'll actually uh, stroll out onto a dock and back in. I suspect they will. Uh, it looks like the weather is going to be changing uh, mid next week, so it should be a beautiful day out there. Oh, then by the way, after the walk with the dock, uh, we'll have kayaks and stand up paddle boards uh, available, and everybody can take a little uh, paddle around uh, Lake Chillisquaki or or try your luck at stand up paddle board. And if you do it, John, I'll do it. How's that? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> First time I ever drove, uh, tried to put a boat in the river. I talked to the dock while I was trying to get the boat down there, and uh, it's not publishable okay, or arable. All right, uh, fantastic news. Anyone else for the Financial Friday discussion? We had uh, some really good news, almost unbelievable news in every way. Jobless numbers down to 3.5 percent, 528,000. GSVCC.org for more information on all the topics or to react to the good information that we've uh, heard today. Bob, thank you so much for doing this and hooking us up with the truck. I could probably talk to her all day and uh, and ride around. i got to talk to you about getting another ride in a truck. I always find that it's so informative uh, to see that. Thank you, Art. Thanks for all you're doing. Thanks for being a great voice for progress around here. Much appreciated. We're going to flip back to open phones shortly here on uh, WDK. Okay. 
There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake, a service technician who really knows what he's doing. They can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area. That's Sunbury Motors, where you get selection, knowledgeable salespeople, and prices that fit your budget, and more important, that friend you can trust. Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. You could chop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers, all in one. See their full new and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. All right, welcome back, everybody. WKOK's live telephone talk show on the mark. I'm going to do brief news headlines, but if you'd like to call in now, you heard a couple of things there. Jobless numbers up, uh, half a million jobs created or refilled is what many of them were, although there are a lot of new businesses hiring, and companies are desperately trying to grow around here, but there is a severe worker shortage. And uh, we also talked about the trucking, these Privacy-busting driver-facing cameras, it just is like Big Brother comes to mind, right? Yeah, exactly. If if you're watching the driver 24-7, particularly if there's audio associated with it, then then you're really impinging on most of Pennsylvania's wiretap laws allow video coverage of somebody who expects to be seen via video but not monitoring their voice. So that might be something else associated with that. We'll have to get Rebecca Euler back on from the Pennsylvania Motor Truck Association. I think that's uh, probably... Uh, probably bubbling under the surface. I didn't even realize there was such a thing until today. But she said, yeah, that plus you're saying GPS monitors speed. And so trucker actions are always monitored. Oh, yeah. With the, all the trucks, maybe the independent operators don't. But companies now have GPS. So they know exactly where you're at, how fast you're going. If you stop for a break, I mean, they, they can track it. A lot of these companies now have gone to electronic logs. So the driver doesn't have to fill out a log like he used to, oh, okay, I got out of the truck at 1017, and I got back in at uh, 1122. It's all, when he, when he gets in the truck and the truck starts, or the truck starts to move, uh, it's automatically recorded. So, hmm. the government likes that, too, because you can't, you can't, you can't. You have to switch it off, and if you switch it off, you're in trouble. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, yeah, that's a that's a, a noticeable error. All right. So issues associated with supply chain and automation. I'm glad you guys talked about this. This idea of, you know, five years ago, somebody said, "Well, don't become a trucker because all the trucks are going to be autonomous." Well, she's saying, even an autonomous truck needs a driver. Although I like this idea, one driver for two trucks. That's a that's a nice trick. All right. So to be continued with that. But any of the issues of the day now. National jobless numbers. Uh, somebody cooked the books or something to come up with half a million jobs. When ev- almost every economist was saying that uh, one of the six legs of the U.S. economy, jobless, was going to go down slightly this time, yeah. and all of a sudden it doubles. So that's uh, <laughs> some fishy going on here. So all right. So that's uh, that's one of the topics here. On the mark. Uh, open phones. One eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five. You can email us at on the mark at wkok.com. Text us at seven zero two three. 
1026. Do have some brief news headlines here. The Roman Catholic Diocese of Harrisburg and the Tort Claimants Committee have reached a settlement with survivors of clergy sexual abuse. According to the diocese, the financial restitution to survivors will be provided in a trust worth $7.5 million. WHTM reporting the Survivor Compensation Trust may also be funded through additional settlements. About 54 proofs of claim from clergy abuse survivors were received during the reorganizational process. According to the diocese, a trust administrator will determine compensation amounts and claim eligibility for those abuse survivors. The agreement will also settle the diocese Chapter 11 reorganization, and it requires court approval. Big changes coming to the Greater Susquehanna Valley United Way when they officially merge with the United Way of Columbia and Montour County. Adrian Mail, president and CEO of the Greater Susquehanna Valley United Way, says their goal is to serve 260,000 people. They'll have 58 agencies under their wing and covering five counties. She says there she's hoping there will be economy of scale. One Snyder County business growing. No one knows where they'll find the six workers, but they'll create six workers at Penn Dairy in Winfield. They got a 15-year PETA loan, $400,000, 2.5% interest rate to construct an additional an addition to their food production facility there. That's a PETA loan announced by the governor uh, yesterday. And this is something my my uh, friend here can agree with. Well, or might see something in. It is National Work Like a Dog Day. <laughs> How many times did your lovely bride say, why do you work like a dog, John? Once in a while. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Uh, today is National Work Like a Dog Day, but whoever came up with that saying doesn't know a thing about dogs. When was the last time you actually saw a dog operating heavy machinery for more than 12 hours at a time? Uh, so maybe try working like an actual dog, and that's to have fun for a few hours and spend at least 15 minutes to several hours napping shortly thereafter. Okay, yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's true. But dogs really don't work. They really much. don't work. <laughs> even even like sled dogs and so forth, which do work, but most dogs just lay around and uh, chase, a, chase a squirrel or something and uh, but well, pretty, pretty leisurely life. I saw a uh, piece on PCN yesterday. They were talking about the mules that they would use to pull the canals. And mules were perfect because they were strong, but they would not work themselves to death. Yeah. You know, they would stop when they got tired. You know, you hear about stubborn as a mule was a good thing because then it wouldn't go. Horses, on the other hand, they said, would work themselves to injury yeah. uh, if if the master, uh, you know, the operator asked them to. And, and mules don't don't move at the same pace that a horse does. If you ever watch a right. uh, farmer with a team of mules uh, uh, plowing and so forth, uh, they're, they're, they have a steady gait, but it, uh, they're not in a hurry. <laughs> <laughs> right, so probably perfect for canals. Slow, no wake, you know, if you have the mules pulling the canals. All right, well, we're going to take another quickie break, but we're going to launch into open phones. We would love to hear from you. A lot of issues of the day. I see two uh, emails there, so we'll read those. One individual not going to be donating to Penn State, I see in another about the Bill of Rights, so we'll read those on the air. But you can send more to on the market, WKOK.com. You can text us at 70236. Uh, you can call us 1 800 795 9565. Let's see, national news, the jobless picture is out there. We have the uh, sort of mini build back better inflation busting legislation going through. Nobody really thinks it's going to help inflation at all if it have any impact. I think you could probably, I think you can 
force the administration to say that it would have a positive impact. It would make it go up a little. Yeah, I, it's, uh, uh, I saw late yesterday that a group of uh, 230 economists uh, wrote a letter to Congress saying this is going to really hurt our, this going to uh, push inflation further and this is not a good idea. But I don't know what percentage of economists in the country that is, but uh, so it, it's like anything else. You're going to have people on both sides of the issue. Some are going to say, "Oh, this isn't going to be a problem. It's you know, this is going to be fine." And you're going to people say, "Oh, this is you know, going to really, really hurt." And uh, like everything else, uh, we'll tell you better in about six months. All right, and Joe Manchin is on board, so uh, must be something good in it. Look for the Joe Manchin Memorial Bridge to be dedicated in the decade ahead or something. But he's on board. All right, call us now. 1-800-795-9565. Open phones. We will be right back. There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake. A service technician who really knows what he's doing. They can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area. That's Sunbury Motors, where you get selection, knowledgeable salespeople, and prices that fit your budget, and more important, that friend you can trust. Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. You could shop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers, all in one. See their full new and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. All right, welcome back to WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the mark. We've got a caller standing by. One of our good listeners sent us a note yesterday. One of our callers yesterday informed us that uh, uh, he had uh, hoped to spread the information with some religious tracts in front of a business, but was told not to do so. And to that end, one of our listeners sends us a note and says, The report this morning by a caller from Lewisburg on his abuse by Lewisburg police for handing out information on the public sidewalk demonstrates how little police officers around the country know about our constitutional rights spelled out by the Bill of Rights. There are thousands of videos on YouTube of officers all around the U.S. abusing citizens because they know nothing of the Bill of Rights. Sometimes these abuses have resulted in lawsuits costing the city or county thousands of dollars. Some years ago, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that the First Amendment includes photography from any public space like a sidewalk or city hall. I imagine this was brought on by the advent of cell phone cameras and the spreading of surveillance cameras on all sorts of businesses and government buildings. I haven't been in Northumberland County Courthouse in years, so I don't know of their camera coverage, but with the ongoing upgrades to the building, these may be included, says Dave on the Hill. Uh, they already have cameras inside the courthouse, and the sheriff watches them, and so uh, they're already monitoring activities there. Uh, Dick from Milton, you're on the mark. Thanks for calling WKOK. You just asked a question about Joe Manchin and maybe a bridge. It wasn't a bridge. He actually, they agreed to finish the natural gas pipeline that they had stopped. Oh, one that was in, that covers or involves. They had one in progress. They They stopped the work on it, and that was why he agreed to vote yes on the on the bill, because they agreed to finish the natural gas pipeline, which is probably a good thing for their state. Okay. 
All right, it had good. nothing to do with it. There might be a bridge somewhere in there. I can't tell you, but that's, that's exactly why he did it. <laughs> yeah, I'd take the pipeline and a bridge. Uh, he might as well be president the way he's in the catbird seat there. So, uh, yeah, well, I'd, I'd take way, both. That's the way things work out some days. I mean, you're never going to get you're never going to get any of the 49 or 50 Republicans to agree to for anything. In fact, in fact, uh, Congressman Jordan he just went out apoplectic last week because he said, I can't agree why they why the, what they would agree to anything. I mean, really, you'll never have anything done in this country when you have people go to Washington with the intent of blocking everything. But it's a great that's, gotcha that's, moment. That's my answer. Be, there'll, be, there'll never get much done, ever. Well, that's the problem we have because it works on both parties. Uh, no matter which party is in 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 uh, control, the other party just obstructs. And uh, I understand that, John, but, but, but when a guy comes out and makes a statement on the, to the national news that that's his goal, I don't know why anybody would agree with, with the Democrats in, 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 on anything. Why, that's what he got elected to, to just to block everything? I, 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 guess, I, I guess my question to you is, when, <laughs> when, you're, when you represent, let's say, 700, 800,000 people in your constituents in your district, are you telling me you're only, you're only representing the ones that... That vote for you. You no, don't care I, about the other damn. You give a damn about the other ones. All right, let's okay, let, let John talk. Go ahead. I, I agree with you that it, it it makes no sense that either party would would be just there to obstruct. You know, we talked about this a little earlier that uh, when we were off off mic. But uh, there used to be a time when politics took about six months every two years, and it started like in the primaries in the spring, and it ended with the election in November, and then everybody went to Washington and went to work. And we got stuff done, we got bills passed and so forth. But for the last 10 or 15 years, it, it hasn't worked that way. And our system is broken on both sides, and and uh, I don't know how to fix it because uh, it seems to me, and I, you'll probably agree with this, that both parties are moving further apart. Uh, the centrists are all being voted out of office. We've had uh, Republican and Democratic centrists that are left voted out uh, in this current primary session. Uh, they're being primaried by people that are more extreme than they are. So uh, our country is moving to the extremes, and we don't seem to have that middle ground where we can sit down and talk to each other and agree. And you don't come in here and say, oh, Republicans good, Dems bad. No. You, you fully recognize that there's a lot of perpetrators in Washington. All right, Dick, your view on well, all I've, this. Well, I've, made, I've made this point before. I've been a Democrat. I've been a Republican. I've been an independent for probably close to 25 years. I, don't, I wouldn't want to be a member of any party that would have me as a member. But I tell you, I'll tell you what, I think I'm more common sense than those, anybody on either side of those parties. All right. Probably true. All right. Thank you so much, Dick. Thanks for calling in. Oh, yeah, Washington, D.C.'s busted in so many ways. And I think of some key Republicans who have been sort of perpetrators <laughs> over the year to keep it going. You know, Newt Gingrich and then, uh, you know, folks who followed him. And then we see what Republicans did last year in, uh, during the insurrection, came out afterward and said, yeah, Donald Trump's a real bad actor and instigated this. Then the next day, oh, wait. You know, never mind, it wasn't his fault. We really need a convention of states. <laughs> yep. Washington is never going to fix itself. Okay? Washington just gets worse and worse and worse. A couple of things. We need a convention of states because that has three proposals. Proposal number one, term limits. You know, we have 80-year-old people making decisions for us that, that, that should have retired 15 years ago. Uh, second, limit the size of the federal government. Limit the cost of the federal government. And, you know, they're not going to do it themselves. They just look ways to spend more money. All of them just spend more 
money. They they have different pet projects. Okay, Republicans want their money to go this to these people, and Democrats want their money to go to these people. But nobody's down there saying, well, well, well we we spending too much money. We can't do this four trillion dollar package. We've got to we've got to cut the budget, but nobody cuts the budget. Yeah, nobody's able to do that. Well, and I think you, you, you hear about uh, David Jolly, the former congressman, has ties to our area saying, you know what, we need another party. You know, I'm not sure if they'll make any inroads or not, but he's got good backing and he's part of the movement effort to try to get another political party that would be dedicated to progress and not just gotcha moments and jabbing the other side. And, and yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to do in our system. Ross Perot tried it. Actually, in my lifetime, Ross Perot in, in the 1992 election was probably the most successful. I think that he got somewhere in the teen of the vote. He got uh, more than 10% of the vote, which is an unheard of thing. Uh, and he pulled he pulled uh, uh, votes from, I think, both parties. Uh, Clinton won that election by the skin of his teeth. But um, Ross Perot ran a pretty successful, and and his was a pro-American. You know, remember the giant sucking sound south of the border and, and so forth. <laughs> Watching and our jobs, we or listening to our jobs leave the U.S. In the process of sending all our good American manufacturing jobs overseas because we didn't want it. We wanted to be a clean country, and so we just shipped our pollution out out to the rest of the world. Convention of states it would, is one solution. Maybe another party, third party candidate. I remember when John Anderson ran for president, he had so much momentum going into the campaign and uh, tried to get uh, you know a third party going. All right, we're talking about our busted government, strangely enough, on, on the market. must be, well, every day around <laughs> here. Right. So, all right, 1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number. We will be right back. All right, welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the Mark John Shippen, a good friend and acquaintance and a good conservative business person and tireless, works like a dog for the city of Sunbury back in the day as treasurer and council member and uh, really last week spawned a fabulous conversation about watching the budget and spreadsheets and, and, and uh, we, have, we got some favorable comments about that incidentally. All right, uh, Stan, you are on the mark. Thank you for waiting, first of all. Uh, now you got an open mic right ahead. Okay, yeah, I mean, John there is talking about the Convention of States, which I don't necessarily have a problem with as long as it can be controlled that they don't, you know, run away with it. But, you know, I guess that's how they set it up with uh, specific uh, agenda items, uh, from my understanding. But uh, yesterday, and I don't know if you read the Bloom paper at all, uh, somebody wrote into their 30 seconds column, and supposedly he was reading or quoting from an article out of one business daily or something, it was a business magazine or publication, that the GOP was trying to undermine the Constitution by getting this convention to state together, and they're almost there. They need uh, a few more states to get it, and then they could totally rewrite the Constitution. That's how this guy put it in there. Which well, that's, that's my false. Understanding of false, right? <laughs> yes, that's, a, that's the very definition of false. John, go ahead. Absolutely. The, there are three uh, sections to the Convention of States petition. Number one is term limits. Number two is reduce the size of the federal government, the impact, and so forth. And number three is to reduce the cost of federal government. Nothing else 
is on the agenda, and the agenda has to would have to be changed by two thirds, which is probably not going to happen. Uh, actually, there's a there's a, uh, there's a poison pill there that says if you add anything to this, it's it's null and void. So, uh, I well, think that they're going to be able to maintain that. Well, uh, once even if they have a convention and they come out with new amendments. Doesn't the, uh, what is it, three quarters of, two thirds of three quarters of the states have to approve those amendments? Three quarters. Two thirds have to approve to call the convention. And once the convention has finished its work, it goes back to the, it goes back to Congress, who must send it out to the states. And three quarters of the states must approve. 37, I think it's 37 states, must approve the, the, uh, the resolution of the convention to, before it becomes an amendment to the Constitution. All right. Okay. That's that's kind of what I was reading. I couldn't remember the exact numbers of, of what did what, but yeah, the general idea I, I got. So, so basically, this guy he's trying to spread the fear tactic that uh, they're always trying to spread. The GOP is just bad, and they're going to you know trying to rewrite the Constitution. Now, you were saying about they want to limit the size of government. Would that mean that we're going to go back to using the Tenth Amendment the way it's supposed to be? It could. Uh, in I other mean, words, that's, that's what's you know what's running away with why the government runs away with stuff because they don't follow the Tenth Amendment to the Constitution. Absolutely, and doing all kinds of stuff that's in that's not in the Constitution. I agree, so, and that's all and, right. It's called creep, and what happens is the government, the federal government, has slowly taken over things that the states used to be responsible for, and the federal government has uh, increased its. You know, it's we have a we we have an energy department that was started under the Jimmy Carter administration, and the energy department that Jimmy Carter started had one goal, and that was to make the United States energy independent. So, how has that worked out? Briefly, fine. Okay, most of the time, not. Except Thank you so that much. We Stan. have all this this huge bureaucracy now that we're paying for that that hasn't done anything. All right. Thank you so much, Stan. One of our listeners sends us a note, not happy with what's cooking at uh, Penn State. Uh, she says, uh, this uh, reading from the Center Daily Times, first to quote, less than a month after increasing tuition, a Penn State executive is set to receive a roughly $71,000 raise, which still brings her salary to less than that of her predecessor after the Board of Trustees Subcommittee on Compensation approved the move Wednesday afternoon. Sarah Thorndike, a senior vice president for finance a business treasurer will see her salary increase to $528,000 annually, but believe it or don't, that's still below the $537,000 annually earned in 19 and 2020 by the more experienced David Gray, who retired two years ago. Thorndike's previous salary was just $448,000 annually, meaning her pay increased by nearly 16%. Talk about cashing in. If they have funds to do this kind of profligate spending, they certainly certainly do not need donations from hardworking Pennsylvanians. Keep in mind, Penn State employees get state pensions. These pensions are based on their salaries. Former Penn State President Rodney Erickson is the state's highest pension earner, receiving a $477,000 annual pension. Uh, of course, that's funded by the taxpayers. Uh, Pennsylvania tax law Under Pennsylvania tax laws, he doesn't pay state income tax nor income a local income tax that funds the local schools and government on that pension. Plus, he collects 
collects the maximum Social Security benefit, again, free of state income tax and local income taxes. Yeah, don't donate to Penn State. They just give it to the Treasury, <laughs> unless you donate more than a half million dollars. All right, uh, we got one call coming in. Two are waiting. Mike, you go ahead. You'll be the last caller before a quickie break, and then we'll have one more caller, and that would probably take care of the day. Go ahead, Mike. John, I just hopped in my car, and I heard you say, Washington is broken and can't be fixed. Did I hear that correctly? <laughs> well, it can't fix itself. It won't fix itself. Yeah, there's no incentive. My gosh, they'll just grow it bigger and make it worse. Borrow more. That's why I suggested that a convention of states might be the best way to fix it. Yes, I, you know, and, and that's why I called, because I, I've heard just a couple of people saying the convention of states is the answer, and I just kind of thought it was like a fringe group and, and blew it off and, and didn't pursue it. But when I heard you state that Washington is broken... That really, you know, touched base with me because I, I do believe it's broken, and, and, I, and I'm, the other thing that's broken is the Pennsylvania state pension system. It is, it, it's not going to be sustainable in the future, and it's time that these people in, in Harrisburg take a look at that. We can't be paying somebody almost a half a million dollars a year for a pension. When, you know, people are lucky if they're getting $2,000, the average guy, $2,000 for a pension. It's just out of control, and it's not sustainable, and, and, and Pennsylvania needs to do that. But I think the first thing that needs to be done is this, you know, from what I'm hearing today, just briefly in the last 10 minutes, I think the conventional state is something good, because anything government tries to fix, generally, they do make it worse in the end. <laughs> That's all I got. All right. Appreciate thank you. the call. Yep. Thank you, Mike. Take care now. 1-800-795-9565. We'll have time for one more caller in addition to the two that are waiting. We'll be right back. There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake, a service technician who really knows what he's doing. They can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area. That's Sunbury Motors, where you get selection, knowledgeable salespeople, and prices that fit your budget, and more important, that friend you can trust. Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. You could chop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers, all in one. See their full new and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. All right, we got our callers lined up. One's ringing in, one is waiting, so we'll go right to the phones, and that'll wrap us up this week. Chris, go right ahead. You're on the mark. Hey, I know the conservatives out there are sensitive about being called uh, racist or fascist. I have a suggestion for them. They don't invite people like Victor Orman to their, to their meetings and... They, they were well. They we know he has some bad elements, but we, we just wanted to have him ha have free speech and see what the reaction was, and then cheer him all the way through. 
Now, by way of background, this is what the ambassador from Hungary and this it is the prime minister or okay. president, whatever they call it, of Hungary. He's uh, he's come out against uh, race mixing, keeping Hungary white, and uh, he is in May. He decided he should be able to rule by decree because of the because of the war in Ukraine. And he also he also has uh, throttled the free press and, and and enlarged the state propaganda machine and uh, limited opponents. And he spoke to CPAC. If and I he spoke to CPAC. Okay, yeah. all right, I got gotcha. you. And he got cheered all the way through. They loved him. Well, I didn't. I didn't see that, um, and uh, so I can't comment on that. I can say this: that uh, prejudice is a uh, uh, very uh, insidious thing. We all tend to have prejudices, um, and uh, I, I think I'm. I'm personally pretty unprejudiced. Um, I have friends of all different races, and and uh, one of my very best friends uh, was an African-American, and he and his family and me and my family uh, spent time together, vacations together. Uh, so uh, I've had, uh, they've stayed in our home. Uh, so I, I, uh, I, I don't believe that I'm a, prejud- a prejudiced person, but I know that uh, there are some things that you know that people do, or some things that people say that just make me angry, and I, I guess I shouldn't be that way. But um, toleration is something that uh, most of us don't have. Well, and President Trump made it fashionable to be to use your <laughs> s- yes, sly did. remarks and so on. Go backing him too. Well, Great yeah, mark. we we can point, I think, to people in both parties that are off the deep end, uh, and well, that's. Yeah, a, we can point to a lot more on the Republican side that are off the deep end from supporting stealing elections, to all sorts of things. Okay, well, I mean, it's not <laughs> even a close ball game anymore, and you can take your Great Reset and have dreams about it, but it's nothing like what the Republicans are doing. Yeah, it's a slow reset. All right, thank you so much, Chris. Thanks for calling Good in. Good talking to you, Chris. Very much appreciated. All right, next up, Al goes on the radio. You get two minutes. Okay, thank you very much. Hey, uh, John, Pennsylvania, uh, one of the states, the cards. Oh, we have another phone caller that's calling through, but Convention of States got considered in Harrisburg, but has not uh, the, it, passed. It, yes, it has been brought up. It it was passed out of committee, uh, but we cannot get the the Senate to vote for it. it. They did not come up for a vote because they didn't have enough votes to pass it, and unfortunately, our Senator John Gordner was one of those that refused to support it. Well, it, I think it's. You're you're breaking up so badly. We actually can't can't tell. I'm going to put you on hold. Move to another spot, a better spot where you got t- three bars, as they say. And I don't mean go down to Mount Carmel or something. One of our listeners says, uh, "Time for it." Uh, we're talking about the Bull Moose Party. It's time for it to be restarted. And yes, I voted for Ross Perot. Historians now say that voters for Perot caused Bush 
senior to lose the election, says Carol. Well, actually, I think it's always the other candidates who cause someone to lose the election, if you think about it. <laughs> the winning candidates are the ones that always cause the loser to lose. Uh, Al, you're on the mark. Go ahead and finish okay, up. Okay, I'm on, I'm on the move. Can oh, you hear me perfect. now? Oh, perfect. Yep, sounds good. Better. Go ahead. you got another minute. Okay, how are you going to get them to vote against the Clean Up Their Own Act? I mean, it's both parties. Its government is just way out of control. You think we really have a chance that... Yeah, the only they're going to vote to clean up their own act. No, they won't do it. We have to do it for them, and that's the purpose of the convention of states. All right, we'll let them answer. Yeah, but how do you? You can't get there without their help. No, you can. That's the Article Five gives us a way to work around Congress, and the convention of states. How's that? The the convention of states is how you do it. Well, we can have a convention of states even if our state doesn't pass to have a convention of have, states. You well. have to have. Th- Two thirds. You need thirty-seven. Uh, you need, uh, I think, thirty some, thirty-five or something to uh, thirty-four to actually states to vote to imp- to approve the convention. Then the convention meets, prepares a document. Then three quarters of the states have to vote to approve that, and Congress can't stop it. All right, we got to move on but, to the next caller. Okay, Thank you. Yeah. I understand. It seems right. very Yeah, difficult. look it up. It's it's very... Uh, it, it might beat the alternative. Though. Yeah, and John will give you some good information on this, uh, too. Dennis, uh, last up. Uh, you get a minute or so. Go right ahead. Yeah, I just read where uh, Mr. Biden is proposing that we hire 87,000 more IRS employees. And at first I said, does he mean 8,700? And I read that twice. No, he's proposing 87,000. And somebody in the comment section underneath that said, isn't that what we call weaponizing a department against its own people? And I'm like, that's a lot of people. You know, we already have a Department of Energy, as you mentioned before, that's basically useless. The Department of Education should be turned back to the states where it would be, you know, functioning better. Now he wants to hire 87, I don't know if you think that's outrageous or not, but... Absolutely, it's outrageous, and you know they're not going after just billionaires and millionaires. They're going after the the common people because that's the way it works. All right, thank you yeah. so much, Dennis. Sound Great. questions, yeah. sound comments. Fabulous guest co-host. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Very much appreciated. Thank you, everybody, for participating and listening, and Rob Center especially for carving out time on this Friday to be the on-the-mark producer. This is WKOK Sunbury, 10 o'clock.